for tonight. Amen. Let's sing that song. I love to sing your praise, Lord. You love to praise the Lord? What it does, it makes demons flee. You start shouting the praise of a God like we serve, and every demon in hell gets scared. They start backing up. They know they're defeated. Roots it to I love to praise Lord. serve and don't ever forget it let's bow our hearts now and speak to him dear lord jesus we love you tonight we appreciate you lord we see the storm that's raging we see the fire we see the furnace we see what our enemy is doing but once again he's just howling he's just bluffing he's just conning he's just cowering whimpering like a little defeated dog that he is Lord, I, I thank you, Father, for being the captain of our salvation. I thank you for being the Lord of your people. I thank you for being our God. I thank you for being the creator. Lord, there is none like thee, and none can stay your hand. You're the God that we serve. You're the one that started this work, and you promised that you're faithful to finish what you've started, Lord. And I believe with all of my heart that you're big enough to do it. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for being so powerful, yet so humble, Lord. The same one that created heavens and earth would come in so sweetly and so peaceably and so calmly in a service like this tonight, Lord God. And, and if it wasn't for the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the hearts of your people, we'd miss you, Lord. But God, we don't want to miss you tonight, Lord. We want exactly what you have for us. And this isn't something that just kind of throw together a microwave kind of sermon or nothing like that. This is a God that predestinated this night, this moment, this minute. It says before the foundation of the word, Lord, before the foundation of the world. And I believe, Lord God, you've got something good in store for your people. It's going to encourage that faith. It's going to encourage that heart. It's going to encourage each one of these fighters in the army of the Lord to remind them that they are a powerhouse the Holy Ghost, and ain't no demon out of hell can stand before us. Lord, we appreciate you tonight. We pray, Lord, as we turn to the opening of your word, that you would take it, Lord, and let faith begin to rise in the heart of your believers, that you might be glorified in your saints here tonight. And at the close of this service, when every demon in this room's head has been cut off, Lord, we'll be sure to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, for you are God and you're God alone. And we love you with all that's within us. Your precious, wonderful name. Amen. 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 God bless you tonight. While you're standing, turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter 52. 
this scripture before we're sitting down tonight will be part 14. Part 14 of change in our atoms and this voice. Remember that we're preaching on the rapture. We're preaching on not just the rapture, but everything that happens up to the complete translation of his wife. Now, this isn't a cowering thing. It won't be just running off with a tail between your legs. You are a mighty army. All of demons out of hell are scared to death that you're still breathing. They're scared to death as your heart begins to believe more of his word. They, they, they just don't know what to do with you. I say thank God for that. I say thank God for that. We stand here tonight. We've got several brothers and sisters that are not feeling well, aren't able to make it. You see that Satan is trying to punish us for what happened this weekend. But Satan's just a liar. He's just a liar. Now, each one of us, we know that we're not immune from getting sick. We're not immune from getting hurt. But we serve a healer. We serve a restorer. We serve a redeemer. And that's the kind of God that we serve. And in every test, every trial, every pain, every affliction, we are drawn closer to him. So I say praise the Lord. I say bring it on, Satan. Bring it on. Everything you got, bring it on. Because I'm knowing more. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 6. Sorry, Em, I could have done told you that and you'd had it up. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 6. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. You may be seated tonight. My goodness, my goodness. I really appreciate and enjoy the services this weekend. I appreciate what God did for us here. I was kind of discouraged heading into the meetings. Satan was trying to get me depressed and trying to get me discouraged with different things. And But God knew what he's doing. He always knows what he's doing. And he's very kind and patient to me. And I appreciate him for that. And I was so very blessed. I was grateful and glad to be here. I'm going to go ahead and lose my coat. It was cold when I come in earlier. So I cranked the heat up. And if you need to turn it down, you're more than welcome to. Isaiah chapter 52, we're in this part 14 of this voice. Not 14 of this voice, but 14 of this rapture. Now, this voice that, that, that is speaking and, and is just, I don't, sometimes I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to jump in because it, it, it's, it's the same Christ. Genesis 1-1 to Revelation chapter 22 is the same Christ. It's the same Christ that's in this room right now. It's the same Christ that was speaking to you through, through my lips, through whatever God is speaking to your heart. It's the same one that there's always been. And, and the prophet has told us that, that if you can't go back and see him on every page, you need to read it again. Now, uh, there, was a, uh, there was a brother that, that was quoted that here recently, and with Alistair Francis, he preached some meetings with Chad Lamb back in November. And he was commenting on that remark that Brother Branham made there in Christ the Mystery God Revealed about that this made the revelation, the, the opening of the seals, the revelation of Jesus Christ, that it has made this a new book. It's not changed anything. It's given you eyes that can see and ears that can hear, and you now can see him on every single page. Now, what that ineffectively opens up is it's to his wife. Because you, you can only have the, the only way that you can see him is if you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so as you take that, as you see him, he, he said you can go back on every single page in every Old Testament type, in every parable, you can see the Lord Jesus Christ, you can see the opening of the seals, you can see the rapture on every single page. 
Now, this brother, he's kind of challenged me on this point. He said, he said, I did that. He said, I took me two years, Brother Alistair Francis said, he said, it took me two years, but I combed from Genesis 1-1 all the way to the end of Malachi chapter 4. He said, it took me two years to dig out everything I could find. Now, and I've told Bethany tonight, I said, is it okay to cheat? Would it be all right to call him and get his notes? <laughs> but, but in that, you, know, you get to know the Lord for yourself even more. And if you, even if someone had a you know, billboard-sized letters, it's this, it's this, it's this, and you can read that, so that sounds great, that sounds great, but you know you're missing so much of it. But when you can go back in and God will open it up to you. Now, in your reading of the Scripture, in your studying, you know that as soon as you can be wide awake, you can be just, you know, just ready to go. You sit down and start reading your Bible, and now you're about to go into a coma. You're just, I can't hold my eyes open. I can't hold my head open. That's the attack of the enemy trying to work on your body. Go read any other book. You get into any other book, you'll be up to two or three in the morning. Man, that's so good. But, but try at noon to read one chapter in your Bible. The devil's trying to work on you to keep you from something. He don't care if you read the other things, but he don't want you to read this. So press through it. Press through it. Sometimes what I've had to do, I say, Lord, I need help. Lord, I need help. I need strength. I don't want to be asleep. I don't want to be falling. Lord, I need help right now. And, and, you know, God is so good to us. God is so good to us. Now, in this part where we're uh, felt led to start in, in, in Isaiah 52, and I believe all the scripture, I believe it all is thus saith the Lord. I believe it is all God. I believe this is the living word. I believe this is his love letter to you. That's what I believe. Now, as you, when, you, when you start to, say for example, someone gives you a book. Someone hands you a book and says, oh man, this is a great book. You're going to love it, whether it's a novel, whether it's you know, you know, suspense or whatever it is you like. And you like it's adventure, it's got history, all those things. And you're going to walk up to it with such an enthusiasm. Oh, I want to read this book. I've heard such good things about it. Now, this book was solely written for you. And it is the greatest book you'll ever read. It is your husband in, in word form speaking directly to you. So with all that in mind, let's read that verse again. And it's for right now, today in 2023. Therefore, my people shall know my name. My name. Therefore, they shall know in that day, this day, that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. He said, it's me. It's me. Christ is the theme of the entire Bible. So many times through Christ's ministry, the Ram keeps saying that Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the theme of the entire Bible. And we, we shared that with you, God's purpose, God's, uh, his heart's cry, his heart's desire for you is that you might know him. And right here proves it in Isaiah. He said, you'll know it's me in that day, in this day, in this day, you'll know it's me. If you hold their place just a minute and jump over to Ephesians chapter 6. I want to just read one verse right there if I can. Don't have it marked. But I want to read to you there verse 19. Ephesians 6 verse 19. And for me, this is Paul preaching, speaking, writing, the Lord moving through him. And for me, that utterance may be given Unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. That I might make known the mystery of the gospel. Now, before I get back to Isaiah 52, 
we, we've shared a lot about Revelations chapter 4 and those living creatures. The, Ezekiel would call it living creature. Revelation chapter 4, when it was translated through John's day, it was called the four beasts before the throne. But if you go back to the Greek translation, that word is actually Z-O-O-N. In other places, the word beast, uh, when it's referring to an animal, a savage animal or something like that, it's, it's the, the, I think the Greek word is theron, T-H-E-R-O-N. And you understand that that word beast there is not meaning wild, savage creature before the throne. That's actually a living creature. And you have a very similar view of that right there in the book of Ezekiel chapter 1. And what Ezekiel is showing that he's seen. Now, the reason why those things tie together so beautifully, Revelations chapter 4 is right now in your day. God's experience, God's relationship, God condensing and kenos himself to you. Uh, you, John, being a type of the bride, you being a bride of this day, the spotless, perfect, uh, unblemished, purchased possession of his love. And right now in this day, in this moment, in this hour, as he speaks to you and you know where you're at when you walk with the Lord, you're not, you don't have to try to, uh, you know, somebody's got to say, well, you're way up high. Well, no, I've got things I struggle with. I've got things that I have to surrender daily. It's not easy. Each day I have to get up and fight. I have to get up and fight. Lord, I, I, I struggled here. Lord, I just felt like I, I, I didn't even get on my feet today. I fell on my face all day long, Lord. But God's grace is there to pick you up. But if you get a proud spirit on you, well, I ain't done nothing. I ain't done nothing wrong. You know that's not of God. Not of God. You got to keep getting up and say, Lord, I need more. I need help. I need help. I need help. But in this hour, in this revelation that's available, as it picks you up from being just a normal, ordinary you, a normal, ordinary you, and you start to realize as the scales have come off, as you actually picks the perfect times to call, you start to realize that, that I'm something more, that I am something more, that I didn't just begin on August 26, 1980, that I, that isn't where I just began. That's not just because there's things that I believe that I, there's no way to be able to comprehend and describe how that I believe them if I'm only 42 years old because I have a, I have a identification. I have a, 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 a deep that's been called out to a deep that's always been there. And the reason why that I, I feel that magnetic pull to the Holy Ghost is because I'm from Him. I'm 100% from him, that he is where I'm from and he's where I go. But in that point of, of, of an opportunity to have a good enough enemy, have a good enough uh, person that buffets you, and, and God created not just a little tiny wimpy little devil, he made someone that's a worthy adversary. A very worthy adversary. And, and I've told you before that certain people will say, well, the devil's so stupid. He's such this. He's such this. Well, in, in the fact that he thinks he's got a shot at the most high, I'll agree with you. I, and I'm not trying to upplay the devil, but I don't want you to downplay him either because the Bible says don't be ignorant concerning his devices. He's a worthy adversary. And one second outside the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will clobber you all day long. All day long, but with the love, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, he don't have a chance against you. But you have to keep walking in that blood. You have to stay in that seal. You have to stay in that hidden life. You have to let his life saturate all of your life. And it's through a relationship. It's through an experience. And it's through what God has set up before the foundation of the world. That he is the theme of the entire Bible. And we're here in the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah was allowed to prophesy of the 66 books. He had 66 chapters. He was allowed to prophesy of each 
each book, of each prophecy, of each thing that was in there. And in Isaiah 52, and this is coincidentally right before Isaiah 53, where he was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquities. Verse 7, after you know the end that day, he said, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Now, to break that down just a minute, that you keep saying publisheth, 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 bringeth, 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 not just bringing good things, but bringing good things uh, and more good to you, good tidings of good, bringing good tidings of good. It's not good tidings of bad. It's this is what God's will is for your life. This is what God's wanting for your life. No matter how discouraged and depressed or how down you feel, this is God's will for your life right here. I like that that Brother Joe read that on Sunday of how blessed you are and where all you're blessed at. Everywhere you turn your hand, you're blessed. Everywhere you turn your feet, God has a blessing. The Bible says that will chase you down and run you over. If you're walking with the Lord, if you're not surrendering to the Lord, you don't get that. No, you get the whooping. You get the chastening. I don't want that. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Now, you could very easily put this, Isaiah chapter 52, chapter 52, verse 7, side by side with Revelations 10, 1 and 2. And he puts his foot upon the sea, he puts his foot upon the shore. You look what God has done in this day. Now, I was sharing with a friend of mine yesterday because he's got uh, different people that he's witnessed to that are more of a Pentecostal, more of a charismatic, more of a, they, they struggle with the Trinity and different things like that. And, and you've got a lot of, uh, you got a lot of fanaticism that's followed this message, this voice in this day. Satan has had marvelous success to try to tear him down, to try to tear down the God's voice for this day. Satan's had marvelous success. He's had people come out and lie on him. He's had people make things up. He's had people take the words that he said and went as crazy as possibly could go crazy, but yet God still used him and it wasn't God's will for the craziness to be there. But you always have such fanaticism. If that seems shocking to people, you go right back to the life of Christ. Go right back to those three and a half years of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. You always find it's the same to the point where even we read that to you recently. I think last Wednesday night where Stephen was lied on. That they lied on the Lord Jesus. They had people lied on. You misunderstood. You misinterpret. You misquote. All these different things to where now you end up with, as the prophet would say, the cow up in the tree eating grass. You get your picture all mixed up. You get your picture of God all mixed up. You get the way of God and the way of life all twisted around from what God's purpose was meant to be. Now, in, in that, we were, we, we've, we've talked about, and even Brother Joe hit on it Wednesday night, Saturday night, about the baptism, uh, of the baptism by water, God's purpose, God's will, God's, God's, God, God, the way that God set this up. And I, I don't have the quote in front of me. I think I've got it, uh, either saved in my phone or bookmarked, but in the God's perfecting his church, but Ram was talking about the reason why Matthew 28 was put the way it was. 
in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. It was not a contradiction to Acts 2.38. It's not a contradiction to Acts 19. But what he did is he shows you the threefold manifestation and purpose of God, that, that God used this avenue, and he used this avenue, and he used this avenue. And each one of those things had a very distinct and particular purpose. And what God did in that, from what Adam lost to you being restored, God took this manifestation of God the Father. God took this manifestation of God the Holy Spirit. God took this manifestation of God, the Son, the Logos, Jesus Christ, and he cleaned your life up, and he cleaned up your way to him. And that's the way he did it. Not in contradiction, not in far-fetched, not in trying to have the Bible uh, fight against each other. No, it's a revelation. And if he said it, then there's got to be a reason why he said it that way. God don't say nothing for nothing. God, God, if he, if he said that this is what it might be, either Peter had the keys to the kingdom, either Peter had a revelation. And and if God, if it wasn't the revelation of God after he receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost, why didn't God correct it? Why didn't a voice come out of heaven right then and there going, wait, 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 that's not the formula. No, that's not the formula. That's not, no, Peter was mistaken. No, he, he misunderstood. God speaks through voices out of heaven. God speaks that way. Paul can testify that. Paul would say, I'm minding my own business. I'm on the way to Damascus. I'm going to put some people in prison. And a voice out of heaven spoke to me. God does that. We have a voice in 1933 calling a prophet out right there on the banks of the Ohio River. He said, just as John the Baptist forerun the first coming of Christ, your ministry will forerun the second coming of Christ. Right there, a voice. A thousand people were there. Still a voice. But God put it that way for a purpose. Now, there's so much that we don't understand. There's so much that, that we don't know. And I don't know if we'll be able to know it in this body, in this life, about how black darkness and death was, how black the sin, how black something is what you would think is eh, of disbelief or unbelief would be to him. We think, well, in our lives, and God has mercy, God has grace for you, the things that we don't believe of God's Word. And there's things that each one of us, even here tonight, are still struggling with of God's Word. But God is rubbing that unbelief out. He's rubbing that make-belief out because He knows that you, He said to God, He knows about man, and God is mindful of man. God God knows that what your weakness is. He knows what you struggle with. He knows all the baggage you've showed up to this point in your life with. God knows all of these things. And God is such a patient, kind gentleman that He will help you walk through your life and you didn't know that was there you didn't know that was there you didn't know that was there and the incomplete result is the mystery and work and word of God is be finished in you and you're like but wait a minute I'm just me when I started out X Y Z years ago I, I, I there's no way I could take a rapture there's no way I could be a believer there's no way I could do that but but now I look back and because your know, hindsight's much clearer and you can look back and say I, I see where he fixed that I see where he fixed that I see where he fixed that and and God in his mercy just cleaned it up divine favor so as you Bring this up to our day in Revelations 10, 1 and 2, side by side of chapter 52, Isaiah and verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains, how beautiful are his feet and the body of Christ and the stature and structure of Christ is so amazing and so beautiful the way he's written that this is his purpose, this is his will, that you would know because Zion is always typed as a bride. The bride is always typed as Zion. That's what your type says. And that you might know that thy God reigneth. 
Now, when you're sitting in a hard trouble, when you're sitting in a hard test and trial, that you literally maybe feel like you're standing either laying on a fiery uh, uh, a bed of affliction or a fiery furnace, and you're standing there and you feel like you're alone, because Satan's always trying to cut you from the herd. He's always trying to make you feel like you're alone, make you feel like no one loves you, make you feel like you're nothing. How beautiful of a revelation is it that comes to you? How how would you describe it uh, as, as when you're standing there in the midst of your fire and, and somehow a revelation or good news pops up that your God reigns? What does that do to your test? What does that do to the fire? I, I thought it was all going to fall apart. I thought it wouldn't get no better. I thought nothing would ever change. And you're telling me that my God with whom all things are possible, that he's my God and he still reigns? That's what you're telling me? What a revelation. What a revelation. Maybe you're sick tonight. Maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe a pack of demons done jumped on you. They're defeated. Your God reigns. Maybe you got all kinds of discouragement or depression. Satan's throwed you away. Don't worry. They're defeated. Our God reigns. Maybe you got a, a situation, a relationship, or something that Satan has got his claws in, and he's trying to twist and manipulate and lie about. Don't worry. Our God reigns. That's good news. That's really good news. Really good news. Your God reigns. Verse 8, the watchman, thy watchman. Now, that's possessive language. He's not saying the watchman or those watchmen over there or, or those or those or those. He said thy watchman. A, a pastor, a prophet, an evangelist, a missionary, an apostle, teacher, they're, they're typed as a watchman on the wall. They're told to be, as a pastor would be, that he would guard the door of the sheepfold, that would guard from any foul spirit, any unclean spirit, anything that would try to take the sheep and drag them away. It's meant to be there as a watchman on the wall to tell when, when war is coming, when attack is coming, when all these things are coming. And he's got it possessive there as thy watchman, not your neighbor's, not the other town, you know, three towns over. None of those things, but thy watchman. Now, as we get into this voice, you, you see, you gotta, you gotta get a revelation myself. It, was that man my prophet? Was William Brown the seventh angel church, seventh church age messenger, the seventh angel messenger? Was he my prophet to me? Was he my Eliezer or was he just a prophet? Thy watchman, thy watchman, thy watchman, thy watchman shall lift up, not their voice, the voice, the voice. Now, I'm trying to go again so deliberately through this to kind of shake us out of our, our Wednesday night, middle of the week, after meeting blues. There's sickness around you. There's discouragement around you. There's all kinds of lies around you. But God reigns. God reigns. Thy watchman shall lift up the voice. The voice. And there he goes again with the voice. With the voice together shall they sing. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. When he bring back Zion. When he's restored his wife. When he's restored his people. When he's restored those that simply believe him. And again, it's too simple but to simply believe him. Even as a child, simply as believing, I believe every word that comes out of his mouth. That seems too far-fetched. It doesn't matter. He said it, so it's the only thing that's true. The only thing that's true. Verse 9, he said, break forth into joy. 
Um, you don't know what bills I have due this week. You don't know how an argument between me and somebody went this week. You don't know how I'm feeling in my body this week. You don't know how this is going on and this is going on. It doesn't matter. Break forth into joy. By the word of your confession, break forth into joy. Every demon is a sickness. Every sickness is a demon. Every single sickness. It's an unclean spirit. It's a demon. And demons belong only in one place under your feet. Under your feet. That's where a demon is. I promise you right now, COVID ain't nothing but a demon. I've come in contact with that thing many times. For the longest time, I thought it was um, some kind of cleaner or something that people would use. I'd walk into a place and and, and I'd, I'd start to feel sick in my head and my back and my neck and different places. And I'm thinking, I got to thinking maybe there's some kind of really aggressive cleaner they're using. Then it dawned on me that's that demon that causes that. Because I have it here, not here, but another place, another place, another place. And, and you realize it's just that demon that's going by the name of COVID. Defeated too. Everyone was defeated too. The word that by your stripes is he, you are made healed. That is so much stronger than any little tiny little demon. Break forth into joy no matter what you're going through. Count it all joy, Peter would say, when you fall into divers' trials. Sing, sing together. Sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted his people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Shall see the salvation of our God. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. Turn over to 1 Kings with me. It's effectively going backwards. Just in chronology of the Bible. I want to go to 2 Kings, 1 Kings, so sorry, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, we, we can start right there at verse 9. Second Kings, first Kings, my goodness. First Kings chapter 19, verse 9. Now, you know all of a sudden happened in verse chapter 18. You all it's all happened what the what Jezebel's uh, taunt her. She swears that I, I will take Elijah's head, I'll end his life. So he's running for his life. He's scared. He's 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 laid down on a juniper tree. The Lord has done sent an angel to give him angels' food. And in that angel's food strength, he runs 40 days and 40 nights. And and now he here he is. Verse 9, he came thither unto a cave, and he lodged there. He lodged there, or spent the night. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to him. Now, two different ways. See, this right here, is, it's nothing but Amos chapter 3, and it's Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1, the word of the Lord comes to the prophets. The word of the Lord comes to the prophets. The word of the Lord comes to the prophets. As you get into... Um, I'm not sure if it's first Kings or I think it's second Kings that were it's first Kings where um, Ahab he, he, he has Micaiah come up before him and, and Jehoshaphat is, is, is there any other prophets after 400 prophets and prophesied good. And, and he said, is there any other prophets? And he calls up Micaiah and he said, I hate Micaiah. He said, he's always prophesying evil to me, but Micaiah comes down there and Micaiah and Ahab said, what is it? And he said, it's all good. And he said, I didn't told you, you only speak what the word of the Lord says. Okay, 
I, I see you all scattered without a shelter, without a shepherd. You're all just tore pieces. And he said, see, he always says something bad about me. <laughs> Ahab didn't want him to give him placation. He didn't want him just giving the best words. He said, tell me what God said. He knew that the word comes to the prophet. He knew that. Ahab knew that. As messed up and as backslid as Ahab was, he still knew that the word comes to the prophet. So, and here in, in verse 9, he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This wasn't through text message. This wasn't through email, money, uh, Instagram. None of those things even carrier pigeon. The Lord simply spoke. And Elijah heard it. Now, Elijah's discouraged. Elijah is very, very, very discouraged. Now, and we, 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 we've told that a lot about those five uses of the Elijah spirit, of what God was so impressed with that spirit that was in Elijah. And that spirit is the Lord Jesus Christ. And what God was impressed with, that there would be no, uh, I won't do it in him. There would be no, I won't go in him. There would just be, he said, so I'm coming. So even though he's discouraged and he's literally very, very, very down, the word of the Lord still comes to him. And he said unto him, listen to the question and how it's phrased, because he's asked twice under multiple different manifestations. He asked him this question, what doest thou here, Elijah? Or why are you here hiding in a cave? Why is my servant... My servant, my prophet, hiding in a cave. What are you doing here, Elijah? That voice comes to him and said, why are you here? And he said, now, uh, Elijah starts his, he's got his, um, well, what's the word? I've got my, my preamble. I've got my, uh, my speech prepared. I've got my excuse out front and ready to go. I've got my woe is me. You, you see it? If you need to ask me again later, I got it ready. I've got it ready. Why are you this? I, I got it ready. And the Lord in his mercy, what are you doing here? He said, what doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, starts his, his, what he, what he, his proclamation. I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Listen how many eyes come up in this statement. I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. It's just me. There's no one else but me. That was woe was me. That was a spirit of discouragement on him. Woe was me. I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, the Lord's still speaking to him, said, go forth, stand upon the mount before the Lord. Stand upon the mount before the Lord. See, when you understand, and we, we, we shared that, we, we preached that a while back, who is God, what is God, where is God? We know that the God we serve fills all time and space. So God's in the cave. He, he knows, because he, he, God's right in there in the cave. It's not like, you know, you need to, what you do is you make an appointment with my guy and you have your people call my people and we set up an appointment. You come before my August courts and, and we set this up. And he's like, no, no, I, I, like David said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art with me. If, if Elijah's hiding in the cave, God is with him. If, if God, if Elijah has to walk out in the mount, God is there with him. But God is, 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 is got something he's going to show him in this moment. Even though you're discouraged, even though and he's not just showing Elijah, but he's showing you because we have the, 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 um, the, the benefit of being able to look backward and see what another brother and sister went through 
and how God would speak to him in that moment of discouragement, depression, and downness. He said that, Go forth, stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. Now you got to watch your commas. You got to watch your commas. You got to pay very, very close attention that the Lord passed by and, comma, behold, comma, the Lord passed by. That's really straining at a point. Are you getting, are you, are you paying attention to the scene that First Kings is painted for you right here, right now? Are you just burning through it, blowing through it? Let's get the next verse and keep going on. You got to very lay into that deliberately what God is painted for. God has had his prophet come out of the cave, step right out here on the mount, and I'm going to tell you something. Now, as he steps out there, and behold, the Lord, behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, tore it to pieces, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Again, the Lord is there, right there. It did it in the presence of the Lord, the God, the creator of heaven's earth, that this wind, that this this uh, come through and rent the mountains, break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, in a italicization, but, but the Lord was not in the wind. That's, that's almost destruction, almost tore plate. You would have thought a bomb went off, and that wasn't God in it. The Word of God is true. The Word of God is true. And after the wind, an earthquake, semicolon, but a talization, the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, semicolon, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, after earth, wind, and fire, after those. See, it's Philippians that says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Is that Philippians or Ephesians? We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Ephesians. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but principalities of darkness, spirits in, in, in high places, spiritual wickedness in high places. And you see where even the devil will say, I'll make him, I'll trick him, I'll make him believe this is me. I'll make him believe that, that this is God that speaks. And he stood there and he kept standing there, having done all to stand, having done all to stand, wait upon the Lord. After the earthquake, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, a still, small voice. God can do whatever God wants to do. Now, maybe in our imagination, in our recreation of Genesis 1-1, maybe you're like me, you think out this great and mighty God stepped out and said, let there be, and there was, and, and let there be, and, and let there be, and that voice just bellows and echoes throughout the... It's because that's what I, I just, you know, I think that's what a God did, because he is the most powerful there ever will be, ever was, ever shall be. He's the none powerful than him. So in my mind, I relate that to there shall be. Maybe it wasn't. He said it was a still, small voice. But even still, it was God speaking in that. And he asks him again. It was so when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. Now, that would direct you to, I think it's Exodus 3, 6. He wrapped his face in his mantle, just like Moses did. He saw the, burnt, the bush that was burning, and he covered his face, and he took it, wanted to take his shoes off because he knew he was in the presence of God. Elijah knew it. He said, I know what God did there. I know what God's doing here. I know that's God. 
I know that's God. He wrapped his face in his mantle, went out, stood in the entry and out of the cave, and behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You know, a very similar voice. We touched on that earlier about Saul. He asked him, why are you kicking against the pricks? Why are you kicking against the pricks, Saul? Why are you, why are you straining so hard? And Saul knew the scripture. Saul knew the scripture very, very well. And he knew that was that same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel to the wilderness. And now he's standing there confronted with that same pillar of fire. And he asked him, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. And his world changed because a voice spoke to him. Now, if you've had a revelation of this message, if you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, a voice has spoke to you. Now, you might not have thought maybe that, uh, you know, I'm sitting here having a conversation. I'm listening. He's speaking. Maybe you've never been in a situation like that. But as God would breathe and move and is called out to you, and even the Bible would use it like this, that sometimes even the Spirit maketh utterance and groanings that can't be uttered, that you didn't even know what was being said, but God was calling your name. God was speaking to you that was saying, that's not the world. She's mine. He's mine. They belong to me. And he's done said these things over. You can even find in the Garden of Gethsemane that he prayed for you. That he prayed for you. Well, that was 2,000 years ago. I think there's expiration date on his prayer. That Hebrews 13, 8 is not true. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not wear out. He does not give up. He is still a consuming fire. He is still faithful to his promise. He is still faithful. And he asked his prophet, what are you doing here? What doest thou here, Elijah? And Elijah says, let me get my excuse back out. Well, I have um, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because, you understand? Here's my excuse. Here's this. And you see the gentleness and patience of our God. God knew what, it was, what his excuse was. God knew he was discouraged. He knew it. And, but God also knew that he had a purpose for him later that this wasn't an ending, that, God, that Satan wasn't winning, that Satan didn't say, oh man, I finally got one over on a servant of God. I finally got him so discouraged that he's done. No, God still has it all in control. And God knew that what you had done up until this point, I've got a few more things for you to do, then I'll take you and pull you off the earth. That proves once again that beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has got it all in control. You have a prophet that gets discouraged in the midst of what he's going through. He's got a woman that's to put a bounty on his head. She's done sworn by her gods that if she won't do to him everything that he did to the prophets of Baal, then, she, then it let it be done unto her. So he's scared and he's hiding. And God in his mercy says, I'll take you on. I'll take you on. But before you go, I got you to do, do a few things for me. You got to do a few things for me. I, I need you to finish the work of your room. The work of your room. I got you to finish because he says that Elisha will be prophet in your room, in your stead, in your place, that he will step in and take your part, bearing one another's burdens. Can it be in the, in, in the realm of a prophet? It can be whenever God needs it because he's God, whether he's in a prophet, whether he's God in a laity, no matter where he's at, he's still God and his scripture is still the truth. So bearing one another burden, God is the one to put that into place, not just you or me or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher. God did that. God did that. Where to go next? I want to read something to you. Where are we at? This is out of Satan's Eden. And 
in that, Brother Brown has been quoting Isaiah chapter 14 and what the voice of Satan would do and what the voice of Satan would do and how Satan's declaration and Clayton, Satan's proclamation of what he wanted. This is paragraph 65 of Satan's Eden in 1965, August of 29. He said, now he said he would exalt himself above the most high, that he would ascend above the clouds and the stars and he would sit there like God and be above the most high. And he has succeeded in carrying out his threats. It's not called Satan's eating for nothing. You look outside, yeah, I, I, yeah, he's had marvelous success. Now, you would agree with that. If you've lived in this world very long at all, if you've got to see the harshness and the evil of this world, it wouldn't take very long. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He's had marvelous success in carrying out his threats. Now, let me, let me carry on with this. That The prophet said he's had marvelous success in carrying out his threats. Now, here's how he had success by the people letting him explain away in every age the value of God's promised word to that age. The value of God's promised word to that age. So, for example, now we are alive and remaining. We're in the bright age. We're not in the latest in church age. That time's past. You've been caught up higher. Your revelation's four. You've been caught up a little bit higher. Yes, the latest in church age is still going on, but you've been picked up higher in what the prophet would call the bright age into that, that, that holy convocation that takes you back to the beginning. Back to the beginning. And the purpose of that is that you would understand what is available in your day. Now, Peter would say that, that uh, to be able to walk in the present truth, Walking in the present truth. Christ the mystery God revealed. Brother Ram would say that what is the baptism of the Holy Ghost? What is the baptism of the Holy Ghost? It is the revelation of Jesus Christ to you personally. That's what the baptism of the Holy Ghost is. So we're sharing with you. I was talking to a friend of mine, Brother Timothy Miller, yesterday. And he was talking about a brother that he's been dealing with and witnessing to that was Pentecostal, charismatic, and all those things like that. And his whole life, he's always been taught that the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues, that that's proof that you have the Holy Ghost. And he said, I've always struggled with that. I know people that live the worst kinds of life. And, and Brother Tim was even telling me about a, a program that he had watched where this woman was preaching in a place and this other, um, this other pastor and his people were there whatsoever. And, and she starts prophesying through tongues and prophesying over this pastor. Thou were a man of God, thou were this, and thou were this, and thou were this. And the man walks up front and tells his people, he said, we need to be careful and pray that God will remove the spirit off of this woman. And she immediately starts calling him the devil and he's cursed and all these things like that. Now, wait a minute. Is he, is he a man of God or is he not a man of God? Peter, Paul would describe it as that you get into this babbling, that it's, it's just a, a mimicking of, because Satan can impersonate any gift. Satan can impersonate any gift that God has, but he cannot bring that word line by line. He cannot believe that word and walk in that word by line, and then his fruits prove it. So the only way that he would be able to get into where you're at, the prophet would say that he'd have to be justified, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, be able to get into where you are. But in the twisting and the the the, uh, the the perversion of the word. Even, for example, there in Germany, Brother Ram was holding those meetings, and those men were sitting there with feathers, feathers scattered out to the audience, and they're with those feathers saying, they called it those three high holy words. They're chanting in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost, over and over, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the Holy Ghost, and they called up a storm that was about to suck the tent off the ground. 
And they called it those three high holy words that Satan would get in into something that he's perverted and he would try to empower it so that through the powers of darkness and the powers of the air and the spirits of the air, he would try to use it to stop what God was doing. Negative aspect, seeing what Satan's doing. He's taking that that he twisted, which that falls all the way back to a Catholic baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That only originated through the Catholic Church before Nicaea. That's the only place that come to. But he knew that if he did that, that he could take the power out of the people. He could, by, by pulling out your avenue and your way to God, he could water down your faith and your belief in what God has done, not just for you, but to you. Because when he's made you a new creature, a new creature, a new creation in Christ, that all the old things have passed away, all the unbelief and all the Ross and and it's not a poof, but it's it, it comes off over time. God shows you this has to go away. This has to go away. And as you keep walking, you must be built the right way. If you're built the wrong way, we share this a lot about being built on the right foundation of faith. If you're out of level, if you're crooked, if you're if your soil compaction is not done right, the weight comes up and then it caves and it starts to fall off. And sin simply means to miss the mark that you aimed at something and you missed a little bit, but you didn't just stop. Well. You know, I miss the Holy Ghost, but I'm close to him. You don't get close. You keep going further and further and further and further away till you have no power and no faith whatsoever. So when it's done, the exact specific order that all the power is funneled into you the way it was meant to be. All of the power is funneled into you. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And John said that, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. But it was never meant to be, we said this all the time, meant to be one flesh. you got to understand what kind of a super church, what kind of a super race, a super bride, a super powerhouse that you're meant to be. And it's all built according to the Word in exact specific. Now, again, we, we were talking in fellowship here recently about that, that Matthew 28, uh, about why that Jesus would say that. And Jesus would also tell you in the book of Matthew that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he also would tell you that straight is the gate and narrow is the way and few that be that find it. Now, when you look in, your, in, in the book of Matthew, that's not spelled S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. You've no doubt read it before and thought that's just a, a strange way to spell that. It's not spelled S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. It's spelled S-T-R-A-I-T. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Straight is the gate. It's not broad. It's razor's edge honed in straight to the cross, straight to the promise, straight lined up with the word of God. And that straight, that straight is a waterway. Baptize the right way. You know, your enemy knows this. Satan knows this. Satan knows the formula that was given. Satan was there on the day of Pentecost. He saw what that prophecy, what that revelation did in the heart of a believer. He had never seen anything like that before. The Holy Ghost had not been given in that much. You had it in John and you had other spots it was given, but never was such a magnitude as it was on the day of Pentecost. And you know he's sitting there taking notes. Okay, what did Peter say over there? That you must repent and be baptized. Okay, what I'll do is I'll make sure they won't repent for nothing. And if they do repent, we'll leave a few things off. They didn't really matter. No big deal. And then be baptized. Okay, so what we do about baptized? So if we let them have the immersion, if we say it's immersion, okay, let's let's do this. Let's say that um, 
say in the name of, you know, the lily of the valley, Rose of Sharon, Bright and Morning Star. That'll work, right? That Oh, okay, wait, that's not what he actually said. He said, um, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let's do that. That sounds good. Can you imagine the vote going on in hell? Let's do that. But, but did you hear Peter say uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Yeah, but don't, don't like that. Don't tell them that. Don't let them believe that. You tear down the repent. You tear down the baptism. You tear down the path to baptism. And now they're not anchored. They're not sure. They're just twisting. They know they have no power. And now let someone like the sons of Sceva happen. You walk up to your test and you are clobbered. You are torn to pieces. Not the way God intended to build you. When he endued you with power, this was not power of a magistrate, of a judge, or a mayor. This is the power of the one that said, let there be. Now, the access, the use of, the, the, the avenue to uh, a complete fulfillment was, even back then, it was only in part because the amount of truth that was available in that day was only in part. Paul would say, we see in part. We know him in part. We only see him dimly. We don't see him face to face. But he would say, there's coming a day that you'll see him face to face. So face to face, you can now insert the quote from It's the Rising of the Sun that he says the full maturity of the word has turned back again. And guess what? There's somebody on the earth now that can believe it. They might be 12 years old. They might be 14. They might be 70. It does not matter. I believe it. That's what he said. Now, what do you need? And he said, be it unto thee. Be it unto thee. Now, back to the voice. Satan's marvelous success. Satan has been able to tear down. And by letting them... Marvelous success in carrying out his threats by the people letting him explain away in every age the value of God's promised word to that age. So if we were in the Ephesian church age tonight, and we would say that, that we're so many years, it would just come out of the age of Pentecost as far as uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the upper room, and we would say, okay, now we see God dimly. We see him through a glass darkly. We only know him in part. Okay, now we're going to fight our fight that way, and that's all we have. Now we come to the next stage. Then we come to the next stage. Then we come to the next stage. Now you're at the end when everything has been wrapped up, and you no longer have the testimony of, I see him in part. I see him through a glass darkly, but I see him face to face through the revealed Son of Man, through the revealed Son of Man, and you have someone standing there with the wisdom, revelation, and knowledge of Him and been given the authority and has the power of God because Brother Bram said she knows His Word and she knows what He wants done with it. She will step out there and say, Satan, take your hands off. Take your hands off. He said, Satan has had success by explaining away and watering down and diluting all of those things, the value of God's promised word to their age. So, again, if we was an efficient age, if we was a Pergamian, the Pergamian, Thyatira, all those things, well, we only have this, and we only have this, we only have this. But you stand at the end of Revelations 2 and Revelations 3, and every promise to he that overcomes, every promise, and not just he that overcomes, but also you've been picked up higher, and you have what's been hit with the foundation of the world. So let Satan take that from you. For him to touch it, the prophet would say, it's like he plugged into a 100,000 volt line. Try to reach and take that from you. Try to explain that away from you. He can't have you believe in this. He can't have it 
Because it means that his kingdom is over. That's what it means. It's over. Well, I just got to accept that this is the way it's going to be. I mean, I, I guess we just got to live with it. This is how it is from now on. No. Let there be. Call for it. Let there be. And believe it. Let there be. What do you need? I need this. Let there be. Let there be. Let there be. He's carried out his threats by the people, letting him explain away in every age the value of God's promised word to that age. That's exactly how he's done it. In every age, he explained it away. And we've shared this a lot, how that in, in Brother Branham's day, they told him over and 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 over, God don't do that no more. The days of miracles are past. God do that no more. He's not that same come to God. He don't keep those things. He don't do any of those things. And now, even in our day, in the message ranks alone, which people that claim to believe the depth of the word, they still want to say, God don't do that no more. He don't do that no more. The apostolic age is over. See, the problem with saying the apostolic age is over, which again, is just the promise of God to your life. It's not some worked up enthusiasm. It's not some frothing of the mouth. It's again, what do you need? Each one of us lived in a human body. Each one of us will get sick, probably again, but Christ is still the healer. I don't have to go find a pill. I don't have to go to a doctor. I say that by his stripes, I'm healed. And guess what? It's done. It's over. See, the saying that that age is over, it was preached after the seals. It was preached after the opening of the word. It was preached in the unveiling of God in 1964. So you can't come along and say, well, that's not God. That's not, that's all done. That's all over. You can't say that because it's still available to her. And the reason it's available to her is because God give it. And he said, it's there as long as you need it. Now, I want to read to you out of, uh, is, is the breach message. The breach, Brother Brown preached right before the, um, the, the seven seals. He just, that morning he had preached God hiding himself in simplicity. And I've been trying to get to this for a while, but God does all things well in his time. Now, and I'm going to start right here at paragraph 37, page 64. And there's a lot above that that I hope I'll be able to get to on Sunday, but we're already at 830. I've got to just try to touch this as quickly as possible. This is paragraph 20, 37. He said, now see, this is the, the breach between the seven church days and the seven seals. The see, now see, the mystery of this seven seal book will be revealed at the sounding of the seven church, angel, church angels messenger message. Now, we declare that's the one on the left. That's the seven church age messenger. That's who we declare. Now, he said, the mystery, this is Revelation 10, 7, the mystery of the seventh seal book will be revealed at the sounding of the seventh church angel's message. See, the seventh angel begins to sound. And there is the messages rolled out there. He said, we got it in tape and book form. And he says, at the beginning of the sounding of the message, the mystery of God should be finished. See, at that time. He said, now we notice the book of the mystery of God is not revealed, is not revealed, is not revealed until the seventh angel's message is sounded. It's not revealed in Paul's day. It's not revealed in Columbus day and Wesley's day and Luther's day and Martin's day. It's not revealed then. It's revealed in Revelation 10, 7 when these mysteries will be finished and wrapped up. And I'm saying that that almost sounds like I said future tense, but it's past tense is not revealed until the seventh angel's messenger is sounded. Now, these points, he said, will be important to seal. This is right before he preached the seals. He said, cause it must every bit tie together. He said, now, it's rope mysterious because no man nowhere knows it. 
Because no man nowhere knows it, God alone. Jesus Christ, see, he said, but is it's a book, the mysterious book. It's the book of redemption. We'll get in that in a little while. Now we know that this book of redemption will not be thoroughly understood. It will not be thoroughly understood. It's probed at through six church ages. But at the end, when the seventh angel begins to sound his mystery, he winds up all of the Lucians that these fellows probed at. All the loose sins that these fellows, other prophets, other people probed it throughout the year. The mysteries come down from God as the word of God and reveals the, you read it up there too, entire revelation. The entire revelation. It reveals the entire revelation of God. Is it up there? Right there it is. Entire revelation. Does that say partial? Does that say in part? Does that say a little bit? Before the says hid before the foundation of the world, the entire revelation of God, then the Godhead and everything else is settled. It's one Lord, one God, one King, one Savior. All the mysteries, serpent seed, whatever more is to be revealed. Now he said, "You see, I'm not just making that up. It's thus saith the Lord." He's, I'll read it to you out of the book. The sounding of the seventh angel's message, the mystery of God should be finished, that's been declared by his holy prophet. That's the prophets who has wrote the word. At the sounding of the seventh church age message, the last church age, all the loose sins, and through these church ages have been probed in, will be wound up together. Okay, brother, and we understand you still, you're making a point that we really believe in understanding that once this happens, that all of those mysteries will be wrapped up and his bride will have full access. You see what he's saying? She'll have full access. That all wound up together. Paragraph 41. And when the seals are broke, the seals are broke. We'll get into this more on Sunday. The seals are broke. The mystery is revealed. Down comes the angel. Revelation 10.1. Down comes the angel. Revelation 10.1. The messenger, Christ, setting his foot upon the land and upon the sea with a rainbow over his head. He said, I remember this seventh angel is on earth at the time of this coming. None of this stuff matters. None of this matters if you don't believe who that seventh angel messenger was. None of it matters. If you don't believe that William Branham was the fulfillment of, of Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, this doesn't matter to you. If you don't believe that in the last days that God would send a prophet, this doesn't matter to you. If you don't believe the message that was given, none of this is going to make any sense to you because you don't understand. But if you do understand, for example, I've told you many times, there's a lot of people that, that, that they take, um, they only want certain amounts of God. You have some people that say, well, I just want to believe that God loves me. Okay, we'll take that. Now, what's his name? Well, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and, and God loves me. Okay, check, check, check. Now, and then you keep coming to the Lord. I believe that God loves me, Jesus Christ is Lord, and God sent a prophet. All right, we'll take that. We'll take that. And now I'm just going to be this way until the day I die. God sent a prophet. Okay, then I'd always ask the question, why? I'm not really concerned with that. I believe that God loves me, Jesus Christ is Lord, and God sent a prophet. Have a nice day. 
but there's more people that want more, okay? How much more do you want? Okay, God loves me. Jesus Christ is Lord. God sent a prophet. Why did he bring it? He brought a message that would restore the faith that was once delivered to the saints. He would restore that to a body of believers that would be able to step up with that same authority, that same word and understanding of revelation in their hearts to be able to say, let there be, just like Genesis 1-1, they'd be able to say that all the mysteries are wrapped up and now I see my king, my Lord, my Savior, my husband face to face. Face to face. Woo, that's a lot. But again, others don't want that much. No, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. You have people that believe the message, but don't believe the seals are open. You have people believe the, the, claim the message, don't believe God's still a healer. They claim the message, but don't really understand the token. Can I really claim my children? Can I really claim my father and my mom? Can I really claim my cousins? Yes, 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 yes. It's a revelation of that token. It's that shed blood that's been placed upon your mercy seat right here that you can say, I claim them, I claim them, I claim them, that I can't make them bride, but I can guarantee them a place in that city, in that kingdom, on the other side. I can guarantee it. I, I shared that with a good friend of mine that has that been Catholic her whole life. Her mom was Catholic. They're all been Catholic. And she was telling me that because her mom had dementia, she didn't know if she, her mom would get into heaven. And she said, for that matter, I don't even know if I'll get into heaven. And see, I don't understand why you'd stick around a religion that, that doesn't bring a peace to this. I don't understand why the point of I'm going to serve this religion and I'm going to do this and do this and this, but at the end of my life, I'm dying and go straight to hell. There are those that don't believe that no matter what they do for Christ, they'll ever get into heaven. They just go, I did this for Christ, I lived a good life, and now I die and go on. There's so many other believers that, well, I believe this, and one day I'll get a reward in heaven. Maybe I'll get to live outside the city, and I don't really care that he's a healer, a deliverer, a restorer, a redeemer. I don't really care about that. I'll just, I'll just suffer it out till then. Like you said, miserable salvation. But he is the fullness of all. He's the fullness. So I ask you this, how much do you want? If you're going to pull up to the table, there you go. If you're going to pull up to a table and there's seven course meal, or in our case, an eight course meal, and you say, well, I'll take a salad and that's all I want. Okay, maybe I want a little more salad. Maybe I'll get some bread. Maybe I'll get a little more. No, keep coming back. There's more. What else is there? What else? Let me, hang on a minute. Let me digest that. Let me get that. Wait, let me get, okay, I'm getting steady again. I got it. I got it. I understand. God has took that revelation and it's not just up here, but I felt him move it into me. Now keep stepping higher. Keep stepping higher. Keep walking that faith. God, what's next? God, what's next? Hold on, there's more. Hold on, there's more. And by the end of it, you're standing on streets of gold looking backwards. That was a lot easier than I thought it would be. That was a lot easier than I would have thought it would be. This seventh angel messenger, this seventh angel is on earth at the time of this coming. This message was preached right before, obviously, the first seal. But he's still a prophet. This is still, thus saith the Lord. This is a prophet pointing at Revelation chapter 10, going from 1 to verse 8, saying, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens. And most people would, would be able to disassociate or, you know, say, okay, well, you know, whenever that prophet, whenever he comes, uh, this, 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 and this will happen. They don't want to look back and say, no, wait a minute, that's that prophet. Right there is that seventh angel messenger. Right there is him. And if what he said is true, then that puts that other mighty angel on the earth right now. Like we said, just February 28, 1963, a few days ago was 60-year anniversary of the second coming of Christ. It would be cold. He comes with clouds. He said, Revelation 10:1. I saw another mighty angel come down. He put one foot upon the land, one foot upon the sea, and a rainbow was over his head. This happened 
February 28th, 1963. Now, the prophet taught us that the second coming of Christ will be completely different than anything you ever imagined, anything you ever told, anything you ever understood. I was sharing this with Sister Vanessa the other day that the prophet said before the coming of the Lord, before he actually, before 1963, he said it will be completely different than anything you ever thought. Okay, let me tell you what I thought. I thought when 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 said, and here's how it's painted, that Gabriel will step out on a cloud, he'll blow a trumpet, the Lord will come down, and we'll rise up to meet him, and we'll all float up like sheets, and that's how the coming of the Lord will be. That's what we all think. Where's it taught in the Scripture? What's taught is Luke 17, 30. In the days when the Son of Man is coming, revealed. Revealed. So again, we, we talk about where did he come from? Well, you know, we live here and God lives way over there and one day he'll come back and and then, no, no, he fills all time and space and he's a spirit. He's He is God and he's God alone. He's not, well, I moved over here for just a few thousand years and I'll come back someday. You don't understand who you're talking about. You don't understand truly omnipresence. So if we're looking at a distinct and particular uh, manifestation or a presental of or a coming, as it said, why did he come? And the first coming was to buy you. The second coming was to get you. The third coming is to show you all that redemption has two parts of coming out of, of whatever you were in and going into Christ. Now, whether it's a church organization, a church world, or even in a message church with a wrong understanding or a wrong revelation of who God is and what the message is, to come out of that and simply enter into Christ. Simply enter into Christ. <clears throat> Now, paragraph 42, just as John was giving his message the same time that Messiah come in the days, John knew he would see him because he was going to introduce him. So here's the reason why this is important, that when Mary was visited by Gabriel and Gabriel told her, blessed art thou highly favored among women, that child which is conceived in you will, you understand the scripture as far as the prophecy, that that name, he will be named Jesus. So she takes this, what the prophet said, she said, her, her response is, I believe it, I agree, amen, she amen the word, just like Rebecca watering the same camels that brought her home to see Isaac, she said, amen, I believe it, and she takes that faith and she goes to testify to her cousin Elizabeth who was six months pregnant at this time, but the baby's dead. He's stillborn in her body. The baby, John the Baptist, future John the Baptist, is there in her stomach, is dead, has felt no life for six months. She comes up and she tells him, and I love how the prophet dramatizes this, and she says, Elizabeth, oh, that's great. I see you're pregnant. All these things look so it's going good. And Oh, and by the way, I, um, I, I'm actually pregnant too. And, and he would say, oh, did you and Joseph go ahead and get married? I didn't hear about the wedding or anything like that. He's like, no. He said, actually, Joseph and I are not married yet, but uh, the, the Holy Ghost has overshadowed me, and he said, I will bear a son, and it shall call his name Jesus, and as those words come off of a human lips, that dead baby come back to life, and was filled with the Holy Ghost in the mother's womb. Now, the reason why this is so special, in particularity is that him standing on the river Jordan, having this argument, having this debate, having this, uh, the, trying to show them who God really is because he done met him in the wilderness. He done saw what God really is. And he's talking to these scribes, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, these people who had learned and understand and, and read all these things and had so much scripture memorized, but had their cow up in the tree eating grass. 
And he's sitting there telling them that's not what God is. That's not what God does. And then Jesus walks up. The only reason he recognized him is because he had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If he had not have had him, he'd have been, oh, hey, Jesus, how's it going? He wouldn't have known it was him. You don't know it's him without having him in you. You only know him through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, as a seed of God, again, sons or daughters of God, not a servant. As a son or daughter of God, you are a part of God. You have that, 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 that part, that eternal part of God in your heart. And you, you have a, uh, a, a, not say familiarity with him, but you have a recognition. Wait a minute, that deep calls the deep. No, I know that's God. I know that's something. And that's that part of God that's a life in you. But when he comes in and quickens his seed that's in you, oh, that's God. I see him there. I see him there. And like Brother Joe made that statement the other night, it, that, how do you say that? What you can't unsee, they can't see. What you can't unhear, they can't hear. And you see him everywhere. You see your husband, your lover, your maker everywhere because he fills all time and space. And his revelation made himself clear and plain and known to you. So how beautiful are his feet tonight? Let's all stand to our feet. We have your musicians come. How beautiful, how lovely, how great our God is. How great he is. How great is his word. How great is our God. How great is his word. He's the greatest one. That ever was heard. He rolled back the water. Of the mighty red sea. And he said, I'm going to lead you. Put your trust in me. Sing it to him again. How great is our God. How great is his word. He's the greatest God. That ever was heard. He rolled back the waters of the mighty rain. And he said, I believe you. Put your trust in me. I'll praise our God. How great is his name. He is the greatest one. Let He rolled back the waters of the mighty river. And he said, I'm going to lead you. But you trust in me. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. Dear Lord Jesus, I can only imagine, or I can only imagine what us singing that song does to you. And it's not just, it's not just from lips or from a vocal cord or from, a, or from lungs that's been redeemed. 
but it's in the heart of a believer. It's coming from the heart of a believer that says, I believe you are great. I believe you are God. I believe you are mine. Lord, you're so wonderful. You're so great. You're so precious. You're so kind. You're still a very present help in every time of trouble. Lord, as I stand here tonight preaching, I, I know that several of my brothers and sisters are, have been feeling sick that have had different sicknesses that Satan's put on them. I come against that thing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I denounce it and rebuke it through the power of your Holy Ghost, Lord. I pray that you would send your healing bomb to wherever they might be right now, Lord, and they would be made instantly well. Let it be, Lord Jesus. I thank you for doing it, Lord. I give you all the praise and honor and glory for doing it. I thank you, Lord, for the revelation of your word. I thank you for continually opening yourself up to us so that we might see more and more and more. And, and I'm sure I can have many other testify here with me tonight that the more I see, the more I love. The more I see, Lord Jesus, the more I want. I want more of you. Help us, Lord God. Help us as we go back out into our tests and our trial. I, I always like to uh, liken these times together in the presence of you, Lord, and these you know two or three gathered together as a as a moment of rest, as a time a, a little reprieve from the battle. But we've got to go back into our battle because it's in that battle, it's in that test, it's in that valley where we're made strong, where we're drawn closer, that that we come out as pure gold. Lord, we don't want any dross in us. We don't want any burrs. We don't want any darkness. We only want your light, Lord. So whatever it takes, we surrender. We appreciate you so greatly, Lord, and we thank you for meeting all of our needs. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that you've poured out upon us, Lord. We, we don't even know half of them, I'm sure, but yet you still went ahead and made a way, and we thank you for doing that. Or we understand that a lot of these things we won't know till we get on the other side. But I still want to take it right now and say, I thank you for being my God. I thank you for meeting all of my needs. I thank you for taking care of us and keeping us safe, Lord. We appreciate you tonight. I pray you bless each one of my brothers and sisters as we go our separate ways, as we make our trip home. Help us in our tests tomorrow, Lord, as we get up and go to work, go to school, whatever it might be. Let us face each test, Lord, with your love in our hearts your grace and your mercy coursing through us, Lord. And we give you all the praise and glory and honor, and we thank you for being so wonderful. In your lovely and precious name, amen. Thou great is his word. He's the greatest one. And you testify that tonight. And ever was heard. Oh, we go back to oh, of the mighty rest. And he stood up on me. Don't put your trust in me. Everything. Everything, oh Lord, you are everything to me. Everything, oh everything, oh Lord, you are everything to me. I treasure. 
my priority. Oh, you can compare to you. Oh, great is the measure of your royalty. Oh, morning star, you truly are everything. My treasure, my priority. Who can compare to And great is the measure of your royalty. Oh, morning star, you truly are everything. Oh, everything. Everything for you are everything to me, everything.